footsteps behind you as you enter the woods. Night draws back its cape. Light illumines your path. Open your eyes. Listen. Welcome to Dark Softly Tales. Dark stories for dark hearts. I'm Mav Sky. Good evening and welcome to your nightmares and another episode of your favorite horror storytelling podcast, Dark Softly Tales. This is your host, Mav. And this week we have part two of Come Lady Death by Peter S. Beagle. A fun little fact that you may not realize is Peter S. Beagle is the author of The Last Unicorn, which... If some of you were around in the 80s, you know what I'm talking about. Just for a fun memory refresher, see if you guys remember this. blast from the past there, right? Hopefully I don't get in trouble for having that little section of song there. I actually got pulled over several years ago on the way back from a concert or maybe it was a play. I was driving home with my daughter and she had put that song on and we were just singing it at the top of our lungs and the officer pulled us over because apparently I was going like 20 miles over the speed limit. I'm, I'm not kidding. It was, I, I couldn't believe it. And I told him what we were singing and he just kind of looked at us funny. But um, I was able to get out of the ticket because I hadn't been pulled over in so long that um, it didn't matter. So it, so it had a happy ending. But Peter S. Beagle, The Last Unicorn. And I think that you'll find that this story, Come Lady Death, is equally as fantastic. And um, you'll just, you get that fantasy feel and just the depth of story. I think you guys will really enjoy the conclusion of this story. So don't worry. I know we're going dancing with death at the ball, but I'll be with you. I got your hand. Besides, there's nothing to be afraid of. Is there? Take my hand and hang on tight as we journey into the dark softly. Come Lady Death by Peter S. Beagle. Narrated by Mav Sky. Part 2. She could not have been more than 19. Her hair was yellow, and she wore it long. It fell thickly upon her bare shoulders that gleamed warmly through it. Two limestone islands rising out of a dark golden sea. Her face was wide at the forehead and cheekbones, and narrow at the chin and her skin was so clear that many of the ladies there, Lady Neville among them, 
touched their own faces wonderingly, and instantly drew their hands away as though their own skin had rasped their fingers. Her mouth was pale, where the mouths of the other women were red and orange and even purple. Her eyebrows, thicker and straighter than was fashionable, met over dark, calm eyes that were set so deep in her young face and were so black, so uncompromisingly black, that the middle-aged wife of a middle-aged lord murmured, Touch of the gypsy there, I think. Or something worse, suggested her husband's mistress. Be silent. Lady Neville spoke louder than she had intended, and the girl turned to look at her. She smiled, and Lady Neville tried to smile back, but her mouth seemed very stiff. Welcome, she said. Welcome, my Lady Death. A sigh rustled among the lords and ladies as the girl took the old woman's hand and curtsied to her, sinking and rising in one motion like a wave. You are Lady Neville, she said. Thank you so much for inviting me. Her accent was as faint and as almost familiar as her perfume. Please excuse me for being late, she said earnestly. I had to come from a long way off and my horses are so tired. The groom will rub them down, Lady Neville said, and feed them if you wish. Oh no, the girl answered quickly. Tell him not to go near the horses, please. They're not really horses, and they are very fierce. She accepted a glass of wine from a servant and drank it slowly, sighing softly and contentedly. What good wine, she said, and what a beautiful house you have. Thank you, said Lady Neville. Without turning, she could feel every woman in the room envying her, sensing it as she could always sense the approach of rain. I wish I lived here, Death said in her low, sweet voice. I will one day. Then, seeing Lady Neville become as still as if she had turned to ice, she put her hand on the old woman's arm and said, Oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so cruel. But I never mean to be. Please forgive me, Lady Neville. I'm not used to company, and I do such stupid things. Please forgive me. Her hand felt as light and warm on Lady Neville's arm as the hand of any other young girl, and her eyes were so appealing that Lady Neville replied, You have said nothing wrong. While you are my guest, my house is yours. Thank you, said Death and she smiled so radiantly that the musicians began to play quite by themselves, with no sign from Lady Neville. She would have stopped them, but Death said, Oh, what lovely music! Let them play, please. So the musicians played a gavotte, and Death, unabashed by eyes that stared at her in greedy terror, sang softly to herself, without words lifted her white gown slightly with both hands and made hesitant little padding steps with her small feet. I have not danced in so long, she said wistfully. I'm quite sure I've forgotten how. She was shy. She would look up to embarrass the young lords, not one of whom stepped forward to dance with her. 
Lady Neville felt a flood of shame and sympathy, emotions she thought had withered in her years ago. Is she to be humiliated at my own ball? She thought angrily. It is because she is death. If she were the ugliest, foulest hag in all the world, they would all clamor to dance with her. Because they are gentlemen and they know what is expected of them. But no gentleman will dance with death, no matter how beautiful she is. She glanced sideways at David Lorimond. His face was flushed, and his hands were clasped so tightly as he stared at death that his fingers were like glass. But when Lady Neville touched his arm, he did not turn. And when she hissed, David, he pretended not to hear her. Then Captain Compson, gray-haired and handsome in his uniform, stepped out of the crowd and bowed gracefully before death. If I may have the honor, he said. Captain Compson, said Death, smiling. She put her arm in his. I was hoping you would ask me. This brought a frown from the older women, who did not consider it proper thing to say. But for that, Death cared not a rap. Captain Compson led her to the center of the floor, and there they danced. Death was curiously graceless at first. She was too anxious to please her partner, and she seemed to have no notion of rhythm. The captain himself moved with a mixture of dignity and humor that Lady Neville had never seen in another man. But when he looked at her over Death's shoulder, she saw something that no one else appeared to notice. That his face and eyes were immobile with fear, and that... Though he offered Death his hand with easy gallantry, he flinched slightly when she took it, and yet he danced as well as Lady Neville had ever seen him. Ah, that's what comes of having a reputation to maintain, she thought. Captain Compson, too, must do what is expected of him. I hope someone else will dance with her soon. But no one did. Little by little, other couples overcame their fear and slipped hurriedly out on the floor when Death was looking the other way. But nobody sought to relieve Captain Compson of his beautiful partner. They danced every dance together. In time, some of the men present began to look at her with more appreciation than terror. But when she returned their glances and smiled at them, they clung to their partners as if a cold wind were threatening to blow them away. One of the few who stared at her frankly and with pleasure was Lord Torrance, who usually danced only with his wife. Another was the poet Lorimon. Dancing with Lady Neville, he remarked to her, If she is death, what do these frightened fools think they are? If she is ugliness, what must they be? I hate their fear. It is obscene. Death and the captain danced past them at that moment, and they heard the captain say to her, But if it was truly you that I saw in the battle, how can you have changed so? How can you have become so lovely? Death's laughter was gay and soft. Oh, I thought that among so many beautiful people it might be better to be beautiful. I was afraid of frightening everyone and spoiling the party. They all thought she would be ugly, said Lorimond to Lady Neville. I... I knew she would be beautiful. Hmm, 
Then why haven't you danced with her? Lady Nivel asked him. Are you also afraid? No. Uh, no. The poet answered quickly and passionately. I will ask her to dance very soon. I only want to look at her a little longer. The musicians played on and on. The dancing wore away the night as slowly as falling water wears down a cliff. It seemed to Lady Neville that no night had ever endured longer, and yet she was neither tired nor bored. She danced with every man there, except with Lord Torrance, who was dancing with his wife as if they had just met that night, and, of course, with Captain Compson. Once he lifted his hand and touched Death's golden hair very lightly. He was a striking man still, a fit partner for such a beautiful girl. But Lady Neville looked at his face each time she passed him and realized that he was older than anyone knew. Death herself seemed younger than the youngest there. No woman at the ball danced better than she now. Though it was hard for Lady Neville to remember at what point her awkwardness had given away to the liquid sweetness of her movements. Death smiled and called to everyone who caught her eye, and she knew them all by name. She sang constantly, making up words to the dance tunes, nonsense words, sounds without meaning, and yet everyone strained to hear her soft voice without knowing why. And when, during a waltz, she caught up with the trailing end of her gown to give her more freedom as she danced, she seemed to Lady Neville to move like a little sailing boat over a still evening sea. Lady Neville heard Lady Torrance arguing angrily with the Contessa della Candini. I don't care if she's death. She's no older than I am. She can't be. Nonsense, said the Contessa, who could not afford to be generous to any other woman. She's twenty-eight, thirty, if she is an hour. And that dress, that bridal gown she wears, really. Vile said the woman who had come to the ball as Captain Compson's freely acknowledged mistress. Tasteless, but one should know better than to expect taste from death, I suppose. Lady Torrance looked as if she were ready to cry. They are jealous of death, Lady Neville said to herself. How strange, I am not jealous of her, not in the least. I do not fear her at all. She was very proud of herself. Then, at as unbiddingly as they had begun to play, the musicians stopped. They began to put away their instruments. In the sudden shrill silence, Death pulled away from Captain Compson and ran to look out of one of the tall windows, pushing the curtains apart with both hands. Look, she said, with her back turned to them. Come and look. The night is almost gone. The summer sky was still dark, and the eastern horizon was only a shade lighter than the rest of the sky. But the stars had vanished, and the trees near the house were gradually becoming distinct. Death pressed her face against the window and said, so softly that the other guests could barely hear her, I must go now. No, Lady Neville said, 
and was not immediately aware that she had spoken. You must stay a while longer. The ball was in your honor. Please stay. Death held out both her hands to her, and Lady Neville came and took them in her own. I've had a wonderful time, she said gently. You cannot possibly imagine how it feels to actually be invited to such a ball as this, but you have given them and gone to them all your life. One is like another to you, but for me it is different. Do you understand me? Lady Neville nodded silently. I will remember this night forever, Death said. Stay, Captain Compson said. Stay just a little longer. He put his hand on Death's shoulder, and she smiled and leaned her cheek against it. Dear Captain Compson, she said, my first real gallant, aren't you tired of me yet? Never, he said. Please stay. Stay, said Lorimon, and he too seemed about to touch her. Stay, I want to talk to you. I want to look at you. I will dance with you if you stay. How many followers I have, Death said in wonder. She stretched one hand toward Lorimond, but he drew back from her and then flushed in shame. A soldier and a poet. How wonderful it is to be a woman. But why did you not speak to me earlier, both of you? Now it is too late. I must go. Please stay. Lady Torrance whispered. She held on to her husband's hand for courage. We think you're so beautiful. Both of us do. Gracious Lady Torrance, the girl said kindly. She turned back to the window, touched it lightly, and it flew open. The cool dawn air rushed into the ballroom, fresh with rain, but already smelling faintly of the London streets over which it had passed. They heard birdsong and the strange, harsh nickering of Death's horses. Do you want me to stay? she asked. The question was put, not to Lady Neville, nor to Captain Compson, nor to any of her admirers, but to the Contessa Deli Candini, who stood well back from them all, hugging her flowers to herself and humming a little song of irritation. She did not in the least want Death to stay, but she was afraid that all the other women would think her envious of Death's beauty, and so she said, Yes, of course I do. Ah, said Death. She was almost whispering. And you? She said to the other woman. Do you want me to stay? Do you want me to be one of your friends? Yes, said the woman because you are beautiful and a true lady. And you, said death to a man, and you, to a woman, and you, to another man, do you want me to stay? And they all answered, yes, Lady Death, we do. Do you want me then? She cried at last to all of them. Do you want me to live among you and to be one of you? and not to be death anymore? Do you want me to visit your houses and come to all your parties? Do you want me to ride horses like yours instead of mine? Do you want me to wear the kind of dresses you wear and say the things you would say? 
Would one of you marry me? And would the rest of you dance at my wedding and bring gifts to my children? Is that what you want? Yes, said Lady Neville. Stay here. Stay with me. Stay with us. Death's voice, without becoming louder, had become clearer and older. Too old a voice, thought Lady Neville, for such a young girl. Be sure, said Death. Be sure of what you want. Be very sure. So all of you want me to stay. For if one of you says to me, no, go away, then I must leave at once and never return. So be sure. Do you all want me? And everyone there cried with one voice, Yes, yes, you must stay with us. You are so beautiful that we cannot let you go. We are tired, said Captain Compson. We are blind, said Loramon, adding, especially to poetry. We are afraid, said Lord Torrance quietly, and his wife took his arm and said, Both of us. We are dull and stupid, said Lady Neville, and growing old uselessly. Stay with us, Lady Death. And then Death smiled sweetly and radiantly and took a step forward, and it was as though she had come down among them from a great height. Very well, she said. I will stay with you, and I will be Death no more. I will be a woman. The room was full of a deep sigh, although no one was seen to open his mouth. No one moved, for the golden-haired girl was death still, and her horses still whinnied for her outside. No one could look at her for long, although she was the most beautiful girl anyone had ever seen. There is a price to pay, she said. There is always a price. Some one of you must become death in my place, for there must forever be death in the world. Will anyone choose? Will anyone here become death of his own free will? For only thus can I become a human girl. No one spoke. No one spoke at all. But they all backed slowly away from her, like waves slipping back down a beach to the sea when you try to catch them. The Contessa della Candini and her friends would have crept quietly out of the door, but Death smiled at them and they stood where they were. Captain Compson opened his mouth as though he were going to declare himself, but he said nothing. Lady Neville did not move. No one, said Death. She touched a flower with her finger, and it seemed to crouch and flex itself like a pleased cat. No one at all, she said. Then I must choose, and that is just, for that is the way that I became death. I never wanted to be death, and it makes me so happy that you want me to become one of yourselves. I have searched a long time for people who would want me. Now... I have only to choose someone to replace me, and it is done. I will choose very carefully. Ah, oh, we were so foolish, Lady Neville said to herself. We were so foolish. But she said nothing aloud, 
She merrily clasped her hands and stared at the young girl, thinking vaguely that if she had a daughter, she would have been greatly pleased if she resembled the Lady Death. The Contessa del Candini, said Death thoughtfully, and that woman gave a squeak of terror because she could not draw her breath for a scream. But Death laughed at her and said, No, that would be silly. She said nothing more, but for a long time after that, the Contessa burned with humiliation and not having been chosen to be Death. Not Captain Compson, murmured Death, because he is too kind to become Death, and because it would be too cruel for him. He wants to die so badly. The expression on the captain's face did not change, but his hands began to tremble. Not Loramond, the girl continued, because he knows so little about life, and because I like him. The poet flushed and turned white, and then turned pink again. He made as if to kneel clumsily on one knee, but instead he pulled himself erect and stood as much like Captain Compson as he could. Not the Torrances, said Death. Never Lord and Lady Torrance, for both of them care too much about another person to take any pride in being Death. But she hesitated over Lady Torrance for a while, staring at her out of dark and curious eyes. I was your age when I became Death, she said at last. I wonder what it will be like to be your age again. I have been Death for so long. Lady Torrance shivered and did not speak. And at last, Death said quietly, Lady Neville. I am here, Lady Neville answered. I think you're the only one, said Death. I choose you, Lady Neville. Again, Lady Neville heard every guest sigh softly, and although her back was to them, all she knew that they were sighing in relief that neither themselves nor anyone dear to themselves had been chosen. Lady Torrance gave a little cry of protest, but Lady Neville knew that she would have cried out at whatever choice death made. She heard herself say calmly, I am honored, but was there no one more worthy than I? Not one, said death. There is no one quite so weary of being human. No one who knows better how meaningless it is to be alive. And there is no one else here with the power to treat life. And she smiled sweetly and cruelly. The life of your hairdresser's child, for instance, as the meaningless thing it is. Death has a heart, but is forever an empty heart. And I think... Lady Neville, that your heart is like a dry riverbed, like a seashell. You will be very content as death, more so than I, for I was very young when I became death. She came toward Lady Neville, light and swaying, her deep eyes wide and full of the light of the red morning sun that was beginning to rise. The guests at the ball moved back from her, although she did not look at them. But Lady Neville clenched her hands tightly and watched Death come toward her with little dancing steps. We must kiss each other, 
Death said. That is the way I became death. She shook her head delightedly, so that her soft hair swirled about her shoulders. Quickly, quickly, she said. Oh, I can't wait to be human again. You may not like it, Lady Neville said. She felt very calm, though she could hear her old heart pounding in her chest and feel it in the tops of her fingers. You may not like it after a while, she said. Perhaps not. Death's smile was very close to her now. I will not be as beautiful as I am, and perhaps people will not love me as much as they do now. But I will be human for a little while, and at last I will die. I have done my penance. What penance? The old woman asked the beautiful girl. What was it you did? Why did you become Death? I don't remember, said Lady Death. And you too will forget in time. She was smaller than Lady Neville, and so much younger. In her white dress, she might have been the daughter that Lady Neville had never had, who would have been with her always, and held her mother's head lightly in the crook of her arm when she felt old and sad. Now she lifted her head to kiss Lady Neville's cheek, and as she did so, she whispered in her ear, You will still be beautiful when I am ugly. Be kind to me then. Behind Lady Neville, the handsome gentlemen and ladies murmured and sighed, fluttering like moths in their evening dress, in their elegant gowns. I promise, she said. And then she pursed her dry lips to kiss the soft, sweet-smelling cheek of the young Lady Death. Who likes dark stories? People who have experienced a touch of the dark side. People who are a little wiser to the world. People who like their bones chilled and their spines tingled. People like you and me. It's hard to find a story these days that write on the dark side with a touch of whimsy, humor, and heart. Mav Sky spreads her dark wings and solves this problem for you. Head on over to Amazon and type Mav Sky's name into the search engine. M-A-V-S-K-Y-E. At Amazon, you'll find her Tales to Chill Your Bones series, Girl Clown Hatchet series, Supergirl series, her cult classic novel, Wanted Single Rails, and of course, her brand new release, Cold Hangs the Midnight. Choose your dark flavor and head on over to Amazon today.